This episode is brought to you by Alien Gear Holsters. Check out the many professional grade duty holsters, conceal carry, and open carry along with all the gear and accessories. Go to aliengearholsters.com, select everything you want to order, and use that promo code LAMBOFEB24 to get 10% off your order every single time. Alien Gear Holsters, the official holster of the Extra Lambo podcast. Now, let's get on to the show. Extra Lambo podcast coming to you from the palatial podcast studios right here, Spokane, Washington. Today in studio, I have Liv from American Freedom Fund. How are you doing today? I'm great. You can pull that all the way closer to you if you want. Sweet. So I can lean back. Yep. There you go. Relax, lounge. It's palatial. You're right. Palatial. It's the palatial podcast studios (laughs) i stole that from another podcast um or it's another radio show that i listen to he'd always talk he'd call it the 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 palatial palace of the whatever his name was i can't remember his name la greca i think or something like that Mm. but anyway he had that now it's stuck right right? now i can't i can't stop saying it so you might as well keep using it um american freedom fund tell us what it's about so the American Freedom Fund uh, is a nonprofit that was founded in 2016, I think was the first year. Uh, it actually started in Washington, D.C., and there's there's a complex story here. I'll, I'll tell the rest of it, but I'll just stay on the AFF track right now. You'll have to kind of steer me. I tend to go off on these rabbit trails. That's fine. Uh, so in 2016, my brother, Gabe Stecker, is a Navy vet. He's actually in the Navy Reserves currently, um, and another Navy vet. They were involved in a lot of sports, kind of up and down the eastern seaboard over there, softball largely, and were looking for a way to support that program that was bringing vets who were transitioning out of service into those athletic uh, teams. They were doing disc golf and other things, too, I think, at the time. And so they set up a, a not-for-profit under um, the organization, the, the business they run there out of D.C. One of them is a lobbyist now, and so kind of under the umbrella of that, they launched the American Freedom Fund. And... Uh, to help cover expenses for vets who wanted to play softball, but maybe because of limitations with family, job, whatever, you know, there were some restrictions. So just kind of alleviating the financial burden by paying tournament fees, paying for uniforms and gear and that kind of thing. So it started there. And uh, about the same time, I had started raising money in this area, Spokane, northeastern Washington, up towards Colville, more specifically, to send um, veterans to long-range shooting competitions. And I was looking at launching my own nonprofit um, and had started the paperwork and was trying to figure out how to, you know, write the bylaws and build a, the board of, um, you know, the board and everything. And, and talking to my brother, he's like, well, what's your mission? And we started comparing notes and it was the exact same. So they kind of adopted me. I was West Coast. They were East Coast. I was predominantly shooting. They were predominantly softball. And it's just grown since then. Um, that's the backstory. And at the time I got into, I was doing what I was doing because I started a, I, I wrote for several different newspaper publications, different kind of local ones, some national, but I really had shifted my focus to telling veteran stories and how to call them. And the more I kind of talked to them, the more I realized how, and we, I think we had kind of identified this with the older generation. It, 
most of them hadn't told their stories, hadn't gotten it out. So I, and I saw, you know, as they're aging out, it's like, we've got to capture this stuff. But, but then watching the impact that had on younger vets who also weren't talking, you know, recently transitioned vets. So hearing these stories from the older guys and how much they could actually relate, it was, it was pretty striking. And so getting those guys all around the same table, which came in the form of shooting matches, actually, I would raise money. These guys would all come together and shoot together. And then out of that, you know, they'd start doing things socially together. And it just turned into, and multi-generational, you know, across military generations. And it just kind of took on a life of its own and filled this, this kind of niche for all these guys and gals who didn't even know they lived a few miles apart, but had very similar backgrounds and okay. interests. So that's the story. The veteran stories, was that so that they didn't get lost or you didn't want them to feel lost or is that what was the reasoning for getting their stories i think what's interesting is most of them especially the older generation aren't weren't concerned aren't concerned about their stories being lost most a lot of them were fine with their stories they didn't want to tell their stories so in some cases i know my granddad never talked yeah in some cases it was a little bit of arm twisting and, but once you got them talking, I mean, there's, there's one old guy up there I've been badgering for years. We sit down with me and he did some crazy stuff. Like some of it was just declassified. So he can just now talk about it and well, he's in his eighties. And I'm like, will you please sit down with me? He's like, I just, I don't want to. And I'm like, but your story is so cool. But a lot of them, so it's not them wanting to preserve and tell their story. It's, I understand I think I do, at least a little bit, the value that has for us. I mean, we learn from history, right? Mm -hmm. And if we forget that, if we don't capture those stories, and really those boots on the ground stories, those personal day-to-day, -day, we have the narrative of history that's written by, you know, the big money and the big power out there. But I think it's the stories of the individual GIs, the, the soldiers that were out there, the sailors, that, that really matter and, and help capture that true history. Any story that you want to tell us, share with us? Well, one of my, uh, one of the, I think my favorite is a guy named Cliff, who is a Vietnam era veteran. He was in Vietnam. He served there a couple years, um, saw some pretty wild, wild stuff. And he actually had a camera with him and Cliff heard about one of our shooting matches we were having. He uh, didn't really want to come. I think some people kind of pestered him to come. He hadn't touched a firearm in 14 years. He had been kind of left civilization and moved out to Republic Washington in the middle of nowhere, was hiding, more or less. Know that area quite well. Yes. And uh, so some of his friends and people badgered him. They're like, come on, it's a veteran's shoot. It's going to be, you know, it's fine. And, and it was a long-range rifle competition. And Cliff showed up with, like, a, I think a revolver, like a, a pretty old revolver, and that was it. But we had rifles there. We had you know, stuff that he could shoot. And that night, listening to him talk to the younger guys and tell his stories, and it was the first time he had told those stories. So out of that, Cliff went on to write his own newspaper series, a series of stories for the Republic newspaper, telling, chronicling his time in Vietnam with pictures. Wow. And it's fantastic. It's absolutely... I've been working with him to try to get it published a little more broadly because okay. it's just so cool. But he has not... Since that first match, he has not relented. He hounds me. It's really funny because this was a guy who was a recluse, right? But it meant so much to him and it opened up so much. Like, he hounds me to, like, you know, when's the next match? Where are the guys? Nobody's talking to me. And I'm like, you got to reach out, Cliff. You got to do it too. And, but he's so great. He chucks up on me now. You know, it's not like, hey, Cliff, come on. He's like, okay. where are you? I haven't heard from you. He's it just life changing for him. And he's a great dude. But his story is awesome. And some of it is um, on my blog on The Big Voice. I, I shared some of his stuff on there. But I don't think the whole thing is there. So we're, we're trying to figure out how to get that published in a more 
cohesive format. Is a lot of their stories from trauma, and and I'm going to use that word loosely, but trauma that that they want to talk about to kind of relieve some heartache, some stress, some mental anguish. Any is that why they want to talk to you? This. This probably sounds, I I mean, I would say no, especially with the older generation. What's interesting is the stories they want to tell are the ones of their their brothers in arms, their comrades, the good stories, the upbeat ones, the fond memories they have. One Navy vet (laughs) told me the story about how he was out on a... um, I think I don't think he was on a carrier. He wasn't on an aircraft carrier. It was a smaller ship, but a little more agile. And any time a pilot went in the ocean, they would just, you know run around and pick him up. And any time you picked up a pilot, it was automatic that you would be your ship would be rewarded with ice cream from the carrier because aircraft carriers were the only ones that had ice cream. Okay. So you return that pilot in good shape to the aircraft carrier, and everybody got ice cream. Okay. And so it's stuff like that. It's like you just pulled a pilot out of the ocean. But you're excited about ice cream. Yeah, it's like that. But it's those things, those little things that were, you know, they're the standout things for them. And I don't know, it it is interesting. I think some of the guys more in my generation, the younger guys, are a little closer to that trauma. It's still there. And some of them have a a hard time talking about it. Some of them do, you know, are pretty good about opening up and, and talking about that. But they're still kind of working through it. So I didn't. I didn't hear a lot of, haven't heard a lot of really hardcore, like, you know, and they're out there. The stories are for sure out there. One thing I learned, one hard lesson I learned right out of the gate when I started doing this was being a veteran doesn't necessarily make you a good person and it doesn't make you an honest person. And there were people who were definitely telling stories and and manipulating situations and exaggerating their experiences in order to solicit a reaction or get a response from whatever, you know, the audience, whether that was me or whatever platform they had. And to learn how to filter through that without questioning, you know, because you don't want to be like, you know, what is this, stolen valor? verify that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Especially, you know, with older guys. And I'd say it's less prevalent there. But there are some younger ones that the stories are like, "Mm -hmm, how many people did you kill, you know, close combat? You know, because that's a, and not to say it, it, I didn't want to go chase it down and like prove them wrong, but yeah, to kind of weigh out what's what's real and what's not, and be able to. And you can, I mean, you can kind of read it in, in somebody a little bit, but um, when they're really being honest and when it's just kind of a guts and glory campaign that they're on, and it's probably churched up a little. But I, I learned that, and that was that was hard because I bought into it for the first few years. Like, oh man, this is cool. And then later on, come to find out, somebody be like, he wasn't even there. Like, gotcha. That, that's not a thing. And I actually wrote a couple stories about that. There's a really um, kind of horrible story about a guy who commandeered the story of a one of my one of my guys that's been involved with the team had a a vet that he worked with who had lost both legs and had gone through just this horrible stuff. He ended up. Um, he actually killed himself in 2016, I think it was, or 17. And another vet somewhere across the country basically commandeered his story and was using his story, Casey Owen's story, and just tweaked a couple details to make it his and was getting all kinds of, like, grants and awards and, and I mean, completely stolen valor. And he finally got caught and got checked out, but he had just, you know, raked in, like, all kinds of benefits that... He had been Unreal. deployed, but he wasn't in the same unit. He wasn't in the same place, and okay. he just adopted a story and told it like his own. 
you got to think eventually you're going to get caught. You have to. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Yeah. How you think you could avoid that, but that's how some people operate, I guess. Board, board lives. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. How long have you been writing for? Uh, all of my life. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been writing since I was little. That was always what I was going to do. But I guess professionally since, uh, probably since 2014, 15, kind of in there. So you, you had, I'm sorry, you had your brother on the other, mm-hmm. other coast. You had you on this coast and you both have had the same mission statement. Mm-hmm. What was your, what was your, um, draw to helping veterans? So I always had wanted to serve in the military, um, but I grew up in, and that wasn't really going to be an option for me. So as I got older and, you know, I have kids and all that, I was trying to find a way to integrate with that community and plug in and, and find a way to give back. And I think what really, what really opened the door for me, so I work in wildland fire, that's my day job. And I, there's a huge overlap between a lot of, um, Military vets actually transition into wildland firefighting. It's a great fit right out of service. You've got the team, you've got the mission, you go on these deployments. It is a good fit for a lot of newly transitioned veterans. So I ran into a lot of those out in the wildland world, and some of them were having struggles, the ones that I met. And and again, it was like that, how can I help without it becoming a personal thing and I don't, what do I have to offer? And I, I, you know, I got in a couple sticky situations where I'm like, I'm not equipped to deal with this. So I started doing research and figuring out how I could equip myself better. And that just kind of snowballed into, you know, one thing after another, writing stories. And then I, I think I stumbled upon a match that was being held, a long range match out at Bull Hill, um, north of Kettle Falls. And it was being put on by a couple of army rangers. And somehow I started talking to them and I'm like, well, if I raise some money, can I send a couple of vets so they don't have to pay to do this, like, you know, $200 registration fee or something? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So I just started, I was working at a brewery at the time, and I just put a jar out, and I'm like, put money in here, I'm going to send a couple of vets to the shoot. And and so that that turned into then, I was writing for the newspaper at the time, so I started kind of freeloading on the newspaper and adding little blurbs like, hey, if you want to help contribute to, I wrote about the match that was coming up and what they were doing, which was a fundraising, a benefit match for a different organization. And people just kind of got on board. And then from that first match, some of the vets that shot were like, can we keep doing this? How can we keep doing this? And uh, so, yeah, it just grew from there. And I've had kind of a solid core of, you know, four to six guys since 2016 or 17 doing it. What draws, I, obviously we know that, that firearms are a part of military life. Is it a therapeutic session for them? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I had, I think two or three years into it, I had t-shirts made for all the guys um, that have a, a target on the back. This says group therapy, you know, with a, a grouping of, of shots. And, and it, it is. I. So one of the things that really dawned on me was we send these kids you know, off to basic training and then off to on deployments or whatever. We ask them to put on this skill set to learn how to handle and use firearms correctly and to use them for the purpose they're intended for, right? For protection, for to safeguard liberty, really. And then they come home and this one skill that we've asked of them as young men and women, teenagers usually, they, they come back here and especially in a state like Washington right now, that skill set that we ask them to put on is completely demonized. And it's like, punishment on top of punishment not only did you go over and endure this kind of trauma and I've written about this a bit on my blog but you know the things you saw and experienced were bad enough but then you come back here and now you're faced with a 
a state and a society at large that looks at the one skill set we asked you to put on as something bad and the tool we asked you to use as something bad. And so getting them back out on the range and giving them something to do with that, I think, has a lot of value and redeems that for a lot of them. Some of them are just gun nerds, and they love it, and they're just out there having a blast, and they do. And these are guys who, you know, have various disability ratings and go home after a two-day match and can't even move, but it's so worth it to them because they're there, they're with their brothers there and sisters, and they're just, they're having a ball, and they love every minute of it. Is it that clubhouse feel? Absolutely. As a baseball player, I, I that's the one that yes. was the first thing that I miss. Yeah. Like going hang out with the guys. We yeah. had a clubhouse. We had the dugout. We yeah. had batting cages, but it was just being around the guys. Yeah. Is this sort of Absolutely. that kind of reintroduction yep. to yeah. that? Yeah. So matches, you know, there's a season when you can shoot. And it's also very expensive, and we kind of went through ebb and flow, like what we could afford, what we could do, what they can afford, and so when there wasn't when shooting wasn't going on or in the dead of winter, which now they shoot all year long. They're out there in the snow. It's, it's great. But they started getting together for Taco Tuesdays, and they do that pretty regularly. They started having breakfast together Saturday mornings. They actually, two of the guys started working together. One of them owned a business. He hired the other one. Now a third one is working there. They all go to the gym together. It's just, that that's how that's it awesome. works. And their wives are involved. Their kids are involved. They bring their kids to the matches, and it just kind of expands from there. But, yeah, very much so. Very, We're very much a family, this Good. team out here. And we're building another one now down in Oklahoma and Texas area. But it is. It creates that. I mean, to see them come away from a two-day match, like, this is it, man. I found my people. I found my space. It's what I love. And they just, it is. It's great. What are we shooting? <laughs> Depends on who it is. We've got, we're across the board. And it's great to see the guys evolve, too, and girls. Because they'll start out, you know, with kind of a just off the bench rifle that, you know, a lot of them started with 308, then moved up to 65 Creedmoor. Now we have two, a couple that are shooting six dasher, and I mean we're we're all over the place. Seven millimeter for a while, we've had all kinds, but um, but that's a lot of them. And so most of our focus is long range. We are have branched it a little bit into like three gun competitions. We've done some um, skeet shooting stuff more on the east coast, the skeet shooting. And, uh, but out in Republic, we have like three gun, like pistol, pistol, rifle, shotgun matches sometimes occasionally. So sniper. Yeah. The stuff that they've been doing in the long range is, is for sure, especially when they were doing the matches out at Bull Hill, you know, some of those shots are out to a mile. So it's, it's fun stuff. Yeah. How, how good are they? Well, (laughs) they're getting better and better. I mean, we've got some guys that are, that are placing uh, in the top, you know, five, 10, um, but that's, I think that's why we're doing what we're doing. We're not there to have the best shooters. We're there to make sure that guys who want to shoot can shoot. And some of them come, like I said, you know, Cliff showed up with a revolver and two years later, someone gave him a six, five Creedmoor rifle, like someone donated it and it was a gift. And now he has, he's equipped to go out and do that. And we've seen a few things like that. And they're so good about, okay, there's a new shooter. He can't afford the gear. And one thing we aren't haven't gotten to the point we do yet is provide the rifle and and most of the gear. We provide match fees and ammunition. That's mostly what we cover. And so they're on their own to show up with that, which can be up to, I mean, you probably know how expensive a long range rifle can Mm -hmm. be, right? But they're so good about sharing equipment and sharing rifles and swapping around bipods and tripods and bags. And they just, you know, to make somebody new until they kind of figure out too what they really want and really need. It's a great way to just break into the sport. Okay. Uh, on your blog, you have a story of a 13-year-old girl. 
Justice. We Yeah, Justice. Will you tell us that story? Yeah, Justice uh, is the daughter of Toby, who's one of our long time. He's been with us since the beginning. And Toby's awesome. Toby uh, actually won the award for um, Most Valuable Player three years ago at our awards. We do an award ceremony every year in D.C. And, and Toby has done a bulk of the reloading for the entire team. But he, um, yeah, he brought Justice out. And that was a couple years ago say three years ago i think she's actually graduating from high school now well <laughs> time flies yeah, man no doubt but to see her out there and you know just kind of with the guys again it's that clubhouse thing and then there's this 13 year old girl that is just hanging with them like she she she's used to it and she gets it and you know i know that the guys will be up at toby's house and when he's loading and when they're doing all this stuff and she's just familiar with that 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 thing but yeah so that was a cold day though the, when I wrote that blog, that match was out here in Cheney and it was so cold. It was so cold. And she just couldn't get the grin off her face and had a blast. And she's a, she's a shooter, man. She's good. She's good. And I think she still shoots some, not as much. She's been focused on school, but. When you, when you keep saying they're, they're ranked or national ranking, is that from all of your different chapters or is this a part of a bigger national thing of, sh of long range shooting? So my little team that's out here, like I said, is anywhere from four guys right now. We've got about 10 that are shooting with us and that's based here in the Northwest. And we have a couple more teams out in Oklahoma and Texas. So, you know, total of 12, 12 shooters or so. Um, and they go to competitions that are, so there's like the, the precision rifle series that has regional competitions. And if you do really well regionally, you bump up, you know, nationally. And then you can, I know some of the PRS guys have gone internationally. Our guys are still on a regional level and they compete regionally, but we're starting kind of new teams in different regions. I think we've got um, somebody in Virginia now that's getting into it that wants to start out there too. So they'll compete at those regional, whether it's precision rifle or out here, we have the rifleman's team challenge. That's a series of shoots of matches. They'll go to compete at that. They kind of move their way up and Toby Snell and, and his partner, Einer have been shooting together for a long time and they really are starting to kind of climb their way up that food chain, you know, in the regional level. And, and it, I think what's awesome too, is the shooting community as a whole, especially here in the Northwest. And I can't speak to the other regions because I haven't done a whole lot out there, but it's just such a great community. All of the people, the match directors. I started just, you know, in 2016, 2017, just cold calling match directors. Like, hey, I'm with a nonprofit. I'm going to send six guys to your match. Can you cut us a break? And a lot of them did. And this was all pre-COVID. Once COVID happened, it changed everything. And everybody was just like, ugh. Um, so even having a match was hard. Everything was more expensive. So so it's been different since then, but pre-COVID, okay. the match directors are just like, heck yeah, what do you, will they cut them in half or they comp them or whatever, but they were all really, they've all just been awesome. And like I said, you know, these teams show up and they're all squatted with other guys. Some are vets, some aren't, but to see the, the way they all share, you know, just, it's just such an inclusive sport. Everybody's, I've never seen, I'm not saying it's not out there, but I've never seen somebody that's like cutthroat or not willing to share tips and tricks. And they're, I mean, these are intense competitions sometimes, but it's just good people, just really good people. I've been really impressed. Which is good mm -hmm. because that's how you get something to grow yeah. and be, get that family mentality yeah. with. Um, a AFF, do you have to, probably a dumb question now that I'm asking it, <laughs> do you have to be a military veteran to be a part of it or can it be family members of military veterans? So we talked about that a lot because there's a lot of um, 
non-service member, you know, I'm, I didn't serve, that do like to shoot with the guys. And we kind of call, we jokingly call them our auxiliary, auxiliary members. Um, and so they do shoot with us. We don't, AFF doesn't pay for that, for their match fees and ammunition and stuff. They'll usually provide their own, but they can come out and shoot with the guys and they'll squad with them. And, and sometimes they'll partner up and we'll have one vet and one non-vet that shoot together. And, and, you know, we'll help Kinda out like if we can. Kind of like a pro golfer. Yeah, it totally <laughs> is. Yes, it's like that. Yeah, but so we do have a lot of people that aren't vets that come out and shoot with us. We don't necessarily support them financially on that side, you know, covering their stuff. But they, yeah. Okay. They're out there with us. You have a shoot coming up. We do. Or it's in, it's in May. May. Mm-hmm. It's in May. It's called Mission 22. Catch 22. Catch 22. Catch 22. So we started in 2017. We had our first Catch 22 <sighs> Memorial Day match and um and the whole catch 22 is kind of a double entendre so i wrote an article actually about the vet i was telling you about casey owens who lost both of his legs and in that there's a quote from one of one of our vets who talks about kind of the catch 22 of trying to figure out how to live with the trauma you've experienced and not giving into all the vices or like is it easier to just end it all and like and casey did end up killing himself but but patrick's quote is like i we all understand that struggle. It's like, which is the worst evil? And it is this catch 22. And I thought it made so much sense because we have this 22 a day statistic, right? Mm -hmm. Veterans 22 a day. And I think after that statistic came out, it actually spiked. And if you look at those numbers, they're actually underreported because there are certain types of, um, of deaths that they don't count into it. So single occupant vehicle accidents that may or may not have been intentional will not be counted. Things like that, you know, there's, so when they look at the the bigger picture, it's probably more than that, but that's been the number that kind of stuck. So having that catch 22 to just uh, as a reminder, like we're here to catch the 22, we're just, we're trying to stop that. And then Patrick's quote just tied it all together. Um, and that article's on my, on my blog too. It's, it's about Casey Owens, but uh, so we started that in 2017. We've been trying to do something you know, around Memorial Day, not on Memorial Day, because we don't like to take people away from their families, but sometime in May, just as a kind of a reminder and get everybody together. And we haven't been able to have a shooting match for several years. Like I said, when COVID hit, first we lost access to our range and then COVID hit. And then we couldn't get, nobody could get ammo. Nobody could get anything, you know, for a couple of years. And so it was just kind of this uphill battle. So I'm super excited to get back out on the range this year. It's the first time since 19 or 20 that we've had a match. Do you, um, so I was, and I was looking at that too. I was trying to get that link that you have on the picture. I can't get it to work. So if you would send that to me, <laughs> yep. I can attach it to the, the prologue of the show. Yep, absolutely. Are you reaching out to other veterans groups in the state, tri-state yes. area? Yep. How are you, how are you recruiting? Yeah, we will start doing that. Like I just, I think dropped that, that first graphic for the match yesterday on my own social media. We haven't even pushed it out on AFF yet because we're kind of still getting making sure our ducks are in a row. And I talked to the match director this morning and he okayed it. And that link goes directly to the practice score link. Now, to shoot at this match, you don't have to be a veteran. Um, anybody can shoot. If you are a veteran, we're going to try to help, you know, get you covered and paid for. But if you, if you aren't, um, you're more than welcome to shoot. It's open to anybody. And so we'll be broadcasting this far and wide we're still have a couple sponsors coming on board that are also i think going to be helping to push that out but um yeah we'll have that link uh and 
just lost my train of thought. But yeah, so we'll start pushing that hot and heavy and have all the pertinent links and get everybody on board. And I do plan to have, I know several of our sponsors are going to have kind of booths set up there. We're going to have a catered lunch. We're going to have, I'm inviting several of the veteran organizations here in the area that I've worked with um, to come out and hopefully they can come out and set up a booth and have their resources on hand so that maybe vets who like to shoot and would come to a shoot but don't know there's these other resources in the area get exposed to that. That's my hope. Okay. I'm going to, um, I've already made the initial connection, but I have a friend down in the LC Valley, American Warfighters, that I guarantee this would be something that would interest them as well. Yeah. And I probably know a dozen guys here in town that would be like, we get to go shoot. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think I was talking to the match director and he's like, I think we're going to sell out before (laughs) anything. He's like, we might have to like make this bigger. I'm like, that's great. That sounds great. I'm all for it. All good stuff right there. Yeah, very good. Um, You have, you provide your own ammunition here in Washington state. We're having a quite, (laughs) maybe a little bit of problems with ammunition and the cost of it. How are you guys going about that? to make sure you have the correct ammunition, but being able to afford the ammunition. Yeah, that's our biggest struggle. And that's one of the reasons uh, we were just at SHOT Show last week. I I went with the program director for the shooting program. I'm now the executive director for the American Freedom Fund. That just happened recently, but- um, Congratulations. Thank you, (laughs) I think. Uh, So we were there at SHOT Show looking for specifically for ammo sponsors because it, it is by far, you know, our biggest expense. And up to recently, we've been paying retail prices to get whatever we need for the guys. Now, that being said, we can usually buy loading materials and Toby does most of the loading for the guys that shoot out here. If they're shooting out of state somewhere else and we have to buy over the counter, we've just been paying retail prices, which is, first of all, hard to find. I mean, I've spent time going store to store to store trying to find enough rounds and like four boxes here and five boxes there of Hornady Match, you know, six, five, whatever they're shooting, whatever they, the specific guy needs. And it's been a struggle. Um, now, I think that's one of the things, you know, we've been working with. Aaron at three aces on is how can we streamline this? How can we make it better? But then also picking up those big sponsors. That's what we're after at shot show. Like how can we get some of these, these companies on board to help provide the materials so we can reload or provide the factory ammo. And there's some that are very interested. So that would be, that would be huge, but it is, that's our biggest expense. And so all of our fundraising money goes straight into ammo and match fees. Again, I will always try and get match fees reduced and waived if I can, but ammo is the big expense and it's been, it's just been, Yep. A lot of money and hard to find up until I hope it's getting better, but I, I I know you don't want to talk political, (laughs) but you have, you have this administration demonizing fire, not firearm companies, well, firearm companies. Yes. But ammunition companies, trying them to mass shootings. This is, that's just absurd talk. Well, it's, it's, I think here I say, I don't want to talk politics, but I think it's actually just it's very symbolic of, of the way our society works right now. Like responsibility has to be sloughed off to anyone else. Like you cannot look at the shooter or look at, you know, the direct circumstance. Okay. Where can we pawn this up? Well, sure. Of course the ammunition com- or the gun manufacturer or whoever it is that's responsible for this. I, I think it's just very telling of our whole, that's, it's not just the gun industry. It's widespread, but it's really bad for the gun industry right now. Yeah, and it is. Sure. We're doing in Washington or Oregon right now for any of those ammo companies to be doing business is, is just a fight, which I think is part of the reason it's been hard to get sponsorships too, because then what are they opening themselves up to? And what if somebody's going to, what if our, one of our vets goes off the, and so we also have to keep tra- tight controls. Okay. We got this ammo donated. 
who's shooting it, where are they shooting it? Not like here are 10,000 rounds of whatever. God bless. Have fun. You know, we can't do that. Right. Cause there is liability. Be safe. Involved. Bon yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'd all love that. It'd be 10,000 rounds. All have fun. But no, it is, it's, it's terrible right now for, for the whole industry. And I, I would like to say that there's hope in sight, but there really isn't not here in Washington. Um, maybe in other places, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. How, what is your, do you have to stay in Washington state when you're doing these shoots nope. or can you go to Idaho, Montana? Yeah. They can I'd stay away from Oregon, but <laughs> they actually shoot in Oregon. Um, do they? They, they've shot in Pendleton a few times and, and kind of down in there, Milton free water area. Um, that, that makes sense. Yep. Or yeah. Eastern Oregon is its own animal. Right. But, uh, so they, they can go, they travel across state lines. One thing we ran into, one of the guys from Oklahoma flew out here and the rifle he was shooting at the time was actually not inside the parameters for what's allowable to bring into the state. Um, and I don't know if it was that, you know, people just aren't checking at the airport or what, how we kind of researched, like, how would this work? And, and first of all, he wasn't bringing it in to transfer to anyone. He was just bringing it in. But even the act, the way Washington defines it, even the act of the handoff between TSA and him at the airport is a transfer. And that's not how they were handling it. They just, you know, he was able to get his gun, bring it in, shoot and get out of the state without any hassle. Okay. But I think that it could be if you looked at the letter of the law and if those TSA agents wanted to make an issue, they could have, they didn't thank goodness. But, but we realized that he was flying in. I'm like, Oh, this new bill just passed. And technically, you know, you're not supposed to be transferring that gun across state, like making these transfers. And anyway, it worked out, but it's just that I never would have thought we would have to worry about that. And here we are worrying about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the Northwest, you do have, well, let's just, keep it on this side of the of the state of Oregon as well you have a lot of firearm um not aficionados uh enthusiasts yes enthusiasts which is good yeah because that that is a right that we have are are you tied and I'm not saying you're tied with a militia do you get that aura put us put upon you oh absolutely as, as a militia even though you're just trying to do a good <laughs> yeah. thing yeah absolutely no it's funny I was just telling someone yesterday I don't know if I just have have the vibe and myself personally I was talking to someone last summer and they're like so do you know do you know people do you know me? like with the look wink, wink. like do you know people I'm like I absolutely know people I can't recommend any of them to you no. but you know yeah yeah I think there's this assumption that if you like firearms that you must be one of those people mm-hmm. And there's, it's hard, especially for people who are not in that community and in that kind of subculture to understand that there are, there are factions. Like there are, there's those guys out there that I wouldn't have anything to do. I do know them. I know who they are. Would I affiliate with them or have anything to do with them? No, but um, we're all lumped together. Your, your cause no, it AFF. absolutely doesn't. And so mm-hmm. explaining that, and, and luckily the people we're going to for sponsorships are in the firearms industry most of the time. However, it is surprising to me how people who are outside of that and in other industries, and I'm trying to think of a good example and I can't off the top of my head, but there have been people that have just absolutely shocked me from something completely, you know, a retail, something or other, not related, but just out of the blur, like we want to support this. We love it. We love what you're doing. We love kind of the redemption aspect of shooting. And it's not a bad thing. This is a good thing. It's a sport. These guys are off the couch. They're out of their houses. They're outdoors with each other doing this great thing. And we want to support it. And 
and these are people like with restaurants or retail stores or whatever that don't really have anything to do with that, but just see what it does for the, the guys in their community. Do you deal with uh, veterans in crisis, suicide, helping them fill out paperwork, VFW stuff? Are you involved in all of that as well? Or is it mainly just the, the shoots and the keeping them active? Right now, uh, I'm, I'm mostly just involved with the shooting team and with the American Freedom Fund and what we do there. I worked for three years as a veteran service coordinator up in Stevens County. And so part of my job there was to compile all those veteran resources into a, a catalog, more or less. And I worked closely with Spokane County as well. And so I I was connected with all of those, those shops, those contacts, the veteran service officers, the organizations that have those resources. So I have them now. And it's hard because those, they change so often. So I would publish one year, like, here's our directory of veteran services. And within three months, half of it would be obsolete because there's so much turnover and there's so much change in all these positions and so many of the programs, you know, and I don't want to point fingers at the VA or anybody else, but it's like, it's just hard to keep up with it. It changes so much. So we do have a, a pretty robust catalog, how, how um, accurate it is from moment to moment is in question and we try to kind of keep that updated but one of uh so toby's wife liz is a veteran service officer in stevens county and so we're still closely kind of plugged into what's going on there i'm still plugged in with several of the spokane county uh, veteran service organizations and officers so i i can direct people there but we do we have for sure guys that will reach out to us because it feels safer than calling a 1-800 number or a you know whatever they're supposed to do and being able to give them the right, point them in the right direction is huge. And sometimes even, like I said, you know, we've had moments when it's like, gosh, these are the numbers I have and none of them are working. So I'm going to go to the ER with you because that's all we've got. And that's what we do. And I said VFW, I meant, I meant VA. Yeah. So I'm glad you understood what I was yeah, saying. No. <laughs> um, and yeah, veteran, veterans in crisis, suicide is very prevalent and I think getting out and being around people and or them wanting to come out just just to break that shell and and open up to people who understand exactly what they're going through is is huge yeah and it's not enough no you know so um you're expanding Mm -hmm. well let me let me go let me go all the way back to Washington (laughs) DC you've got you've got your brother that's over there is he are you guys both trying to meet in the middle of of the country and expand and, and grow as much as you can or where is are you where is he at in the this expansion that's a great question gabe if you're listening where are you <laughs> um no so he just stepped down as the executive director and i replaced him and he has been like i said kind of spearheading the softball program for a long time i'm trying to now in my new position manipulate him into taking really taking lead with the golf we have a golf program which he loves to golf too and so trying to get that built up and I like it turns out I like to golf so anytime I'm out there we go and golf and we're kind of trying to beef that up a little bit but as far as the shooting program goes um we have had some new additions like I said in Oklahoma and Texas area and then in Virginia that are kind of working on that mission with us like how much and I think the question is how much can we grow until we have the sponsorships we need because it has been the case in the past where I've had vets come to me and be like hey I want to shoot I'm like I want you to shoot too here's a hat this is all I have right now I can't I don't have funds for ammo I don't have you know I I just can't do anything for you but I think we're getting more to the point where we won't have to do that we won't have to turn them away so it's it's that kind of 
give and take of like, how, how fast can we grow? What can we actually support? And do we want to, we don't want to bring guys on and have them invest, you know, in their own gear and then not be able to support them to do, to go to the matches. Um, so yeah, we're definitely working on growing it, but kind of strategically in to make sure that we can sustain what we're doing. Cause we've been a very small organization until, till now. And it's just starting to kind of interest is, is picking up in other areas. And we've had just seeing what, what has it's done for these guys up here um, is tremendous. And we want to replicate that anywhere that we can. So we'd love to see it grow once we figure out how to sustain it financially. How much traveling does that softball team do? The, or do they so stay over there? They, they do. I know the, the GI Janes kind of, I think from like the, there, some of them are down in Florida. It's I, like I said, soft, the softball program has historically been all up and down the Eastern seaboard. I'm not sure where most of the teams are based now. I know they have tournaments in Florida. They go to Vegas um, for worlds. They, so they do some traveling. Yeah, okay. for sure. Cause we have, we have several tournaments up here yeah. that would be, would be cool. And yeah. I know I could, I can definitely put together a, a veteran team. Yeah. Um, in we this actually area as well. talked about doing that and I just, I didn't have the capacity to spearhead it. So I was waiting for someone to step forward and be like, I'll do the softball because we talked about it and there are people who are interested and it would be great to make that happen. But my brother being over there was like, well, I can't manage it from, from far away and until there's somebody and that's really even like the shooting team in Oklahoma and Texas until there's someone that can step up and be like yep I want to do this I'm going to track the match schedules I'm going to reach out to the match directors that kind of a wrangler you know a cat herder Mm -hmm. that's what I've been for a long time and I'm trying to pass that baton to the new guy um and he's been awesome I mean he's just been out there killing it but um you have to have those people stepping into those roles and, and this, like I said, with golf, you know, if my, if I can talk my brother into kind of let's breathe some life into this, it just takes that person to be like, all right, where's the next tournament? Where are we going? And, and keep track of that. And it's, it can be a lot of work. And I mean, the thing about AFF is we have no overhead. None of us are paid. Everything is volunteer. Everything we do. We have our big gala every year in DC. That's our main fundraiser. Um, and that you know, it's, it's a great event. But we're looking for, and this match I think is going to be, it's just really great to be able to do another, another match out here. That's going to help a lot. And it's the, the match here is in St. St. John. St. John. Yeah. Yep. Rock Lake range is just down kind of out of Cheney a little ways, sort of. Um, Yeah. It's a great range. Kind of right in the middle of the, of the two towns. Yeah. Six of one, half dozen the other. Yeah. No. Yep. It's a great spot. Uh, We've been out there for a few matches and, Doug uh, Glorfield is the match director, and, you know, that's his range, and, and he's just been awesome to work with. So very excited. It's going to be a great event. When does registration open? Registration is already open. Um, like I said, I haven't started the big push. That will start in the next day or two now that we have the stamp of approval. Okay. So you'll start to see that coming out on on our socials and everything, and we'll um, be doing some advertising. But, like, like – you know, Doug said, I think this thing's going to, because I want to say he has a capped at 120, maybe not even that many, maybe 100 shooters. Okay. So it could sell out pretty quickly. And it's only a one-day event, you know, and it's not part of an official series. So that means you're not earning points toward some sort of a regional. It's just a standalone event. Okay. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you show up, you do have to bring your own firearms. Correct. Uh, ammunition. ammunition. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Lunch? We're, no, you guys we're are planning to have lunch. lunch. Yep. Lunch provided. Yep. And we're going to have, I mean, some killer raffle prizes. We've had some donations um, 
from some firearms companies. Mystery Ranch has donated stuff. Kestrel has donated stuff. We're going to have some awesome prizes that people can win in addition to... Um, so at most shooting matches, when at the end of the match there's a prize table and, you know, you kind of start with the, the highest ranking shooters and they get to choose prizes off the table and usually everybody gets something. But in addition to that, we'll have some raffles going and things that... So even if you're not there to shoot and you want to just come hang out and watch and be a part of the community, there will be things to participate in. Okay. What do you want, what else do you want people to know about AFF? American Freedom Fund. American Freedom Fund. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would just encourage people to check out our website and on the AmericanFreedomFund.org website, there's a link. There's one of the pages is the big voice and several of our vet stories are on there. Um, and yeah, I think just understanding why we do what we do. And I know several people have been like, because we are very small and I've had a lot of feedback like, well, we just don't know. It's not clear to us what you do and what. And so getting those stories out there and, and kind of being able to um, relay the impact is having in real lives and not crowds, not, not hundreds of people, not thousands of people, but one life at a time and how that snowballs out, you know, from Toby to his wife, Liz, to justice, their daughter, to, you know, Cliff Cahoon and his wife and, and Patrick Flanagan and all these people that show up and all of their lives and the lives surrounding them that are changed peripherally. And that's what we're after. How has your life changed since starting this? <laughs> oh, man. Um, Wish there was more time in the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another day in the week. Yeah, like I said, this could easily be a full-time job hurting these cats. I'm not kidding, it could. But like I said, it also doesn't pay. So so I've got to balance that out. And um, I'm not always very good at that, but I love it so much. And the more I get involved, and I've started uh, volunteering as a range officer at these matches. I don't shoot. Uh, I just go out and I... I do range officers, so I, I spot and I take score and that kind of thing. And I love it. I absolutely just love being out there, love the community. It, it really is one of my favorite things to do. And I, I'm surprised by that. I didn't expect that really. I mean, it was kind of cool. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm involved in the shooting community. But it has just, it's grown on me. And I just love these people. So it's, tra- it's changed my life for sure. I mean, everything, if you told me 10 years ago, be doing what I'm doing now I it just was out off the like it just evolved so strangely it just wasn't anything I expected but I love it I wouldn't change it um Texas uh Oklahoma mm-hmm. what are you hoping to what are you hoping to do down there so our hope our plan um we are hoping to replicate the match we're doing here in Spokane this fall sometime around Veterans Day uh probably in northern Texas or southern Oklahoma um we've got a few guys and groups that we're working with down there to make that happen. We've got to find a range and a match director and then get all that locked down. But that's our goal. And then, um, and that's like this one, that one would be a recruitment event where it's like, we're building this team who's interested. And what usually happens is right out of the gate, there's, you know, a bunch of people like, yeah, I want to do this. But then when they see the cost involved, the time involved, like it takes these guys along, you know, you could shoot a lot of matches and burn through a lot of ammunition and put a lot of money into a gun and still suck, right? Which is discouraging for some of them. Some of them love it so much, it's worth it. A lot of people just, yeah, it's just, I can't afford it. It's not for me. And like I said, we can only cover so much, so they have to get their own gear. So you'll have a lot of interest right out of the gate and then kind of settles down to this core group of the ones that just keep showing up and keep showing up. And then they're the ones that build that community network that, you know, the, the Taco Tuesdays and the all the things that they do together. So that's what we're after in Oklahoma, Texas, is get this event off the ground 
get the guys in that want to shoot and and then that'll probably settle into more informal kind of casual range days not competitions a lot we also try to do occasionally um we call them red friday socials where we'll get everybody together on friday and i'm i'm sure you've heard of the red friday Mm -hmm. the remember everyone deployed yep um and we'll usually show up with a bunch of aff swag and try to just invite any of the veterans in the area, any of the veteran resource groups and organizations to show up and get everybody in place. So I'm hoping to get one of those, uh, have one of those here in Spokane, probably in April, just before the event, to do a little bit more um, advertising. So you should see that, okay. too, once I lock down a place to do it. Uh, we usually just go to a bar or a brewery or something, set up a table, and, and have a fun night. So we'll get those going here and in Oklahoma, Texas. We've done them quite a bit back east in D.C. and Virginia. We're going to start that again. Again, COVID shut all that down. We haven't done one. Well, I did one. I've done a couple in Colville since COVID, but back east, it kind of, yeah, kind of ground to a halt. But we're we're firing it back up again. Good. Yeah. Good, good. Um, when that happens, please let me know. Absolutely. I'll yeah. get it out on all my socials. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to have to start a new TikTok account because I'm already getting videos <laughs> taken down like crazy. So oh, man. I'm, I'm going to be on account 62. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I gave uh, up on TikTok. I just I couldn't keep up. <laughs> it, it's a good tool to yeah. use. Um, it's probably a time waster because yeah. I've I've I have so much to do as, as it is, but yeah. it's a good way for me to get out and meet people yeah. and get, you know, get stories out and just, you know, yeah. communicate. So, yeah. um, your events, you go to a softball tournament, you can have a trailer show up that they're selling gloves and bats and mm-hmm. jerseys. Do you have that type of, is that something that shows up at, at the shoots, His- like like a gun or a, maybe a parts yeah. person? Or- so historically, not very often. Every once in a while I've seen it, but for sure at this one, like I've already asked, you know, Aaron from Three Aces, I think Aero Precision is going to set up a table. There's a couple other people we've talked to that, you know, from the west side, some some uh, firearm companies that will come over um, and a couple of other businesses that are kind of peripheral that have asked about bringing Good. their stuff out. So we'll have that there. Like I said, it's really my goal is to make it kind of a networking day for veterans and and veteran-owned businesses and kind of anything that's geared towards that the firearms community and specifically vets so yeah i'm hoping that it's kind of like a mini a mini trade fair kind of a thing yeah good yeah it, it makes it makes for a big event feel yeah absolutely you know, the different yeah. tables the different things to do yeah. the you know the shooting it's event itself yep. so yes. i know i'm excited for yeah, it I it's gonna be a lot of fun <laughs> and if, if you know if there's anybody that's listening that's interested in sponsoring the event whether you know it's helping sponsor the cater lunch or eat, donating something for the prize table or for the raffle and that could be anything like it doesn't have to be shooting related we our raffle can be we're gonna have all kinds of stuff i've got like metal art i've got backpacks i've got all kinds of things so if people are interested in donating to that i know sometimes it's easier to you know donate things than money mm-hmm. and that's fine because we'll always take money for ammunition um doug's running the match director is running a couple side competitions too and there are some cash payouts for the winners so so that's kind of fun and sweetens the pot a little bit but but yeah they can reach out to me and my contact info is on the website and we're also um on social media american freedom fund and myself live stecker i'm pretty easy to find too Okay. Yeah. Um, your blog, The Big Voice, what do you, do you have plans to grow it in the future, add to it? Where, where do you want to take it? I've, I would love to, yeah, I would love, I would love to get back to it. I haven't honestly touched it for quite a while. Um, 
and I need to get back to it. I've been juggling multiple full-time kind of occupations over the last couple of years and writing for pleasure, which that always was kind of for me. That's never been a, a paying thing. Um, kind of took a, a, a back seat. So I know it's time to get back into it and telling those stories. And I mean, like I said, there's these guys that I've been badgering for years up north that they aren't going to be around that much longer and it's it's time to make it happen. So, so I need to carve out the time to do that. And yeah, yeah, I, I miss it. It's it's time to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Well, this has been uh, Live with American Freedom Fund. Mm-hmm. Get on to AmericanFreedomFund.org to uh, check out that website. It'll be on the prologue of the show. Um, there's a programs tab, awards program tab, big voice, buy America, and I'm, that's swag, that's, yep, that's merch. Yep, that's some of the stuff we make. Oh, I'll tell you, can, we have time for a quick story that's oh, yeah. really oh, cool. Oh, yeah, go for it. Okay, so we made a T-shirt last year, maybe the year before. So when... Um, I'm a, I'm a huge Red Dawn fan, like a just a nerd. For, Can I tell you, I've never watched that movie. Oh, my gosh. I've oh my seen gosh. clip after clip after clip, and I've never watched the whole thing. Man, yeah, you need to. Uh, in fact, I have a Wolverines tattoo. Okay. Um. Anyway, big Red Dawn fan. So when Russia invaded Ukraine, and I don't know if you saw the picture that went viral of the tank that was on the, on, that it got blown up on the highway with all the, bur- the burned out cars and stuff, and had Wolverine yes. spray painted on the side. So I grabbed that picture and sent it to my brother back east. I'm like, hey, can we turn this into a T-shirt? It's just super cool. So we stylized it into this kind of weird rainbow tank with the Wolverines thing on it and put it on a, on a shirt. We call it our, our, our tank top. But um, <laughs> we made a whole bunch of those. And, and then I was like, oh, you know, somebody actually owns this photo. I should probably figure out who. So I started digging and found the guy who took the original picture. His name is Oleg. He works pretty high up the food chain for um, the state power company in Ukraine and I emailed him or sent him a message on Instagram or something I'm like hey so I stole your picture and he made a shirt I hope you're <laughs> I hope that's okay can I send you a shirt and uh, he was super excited and he's like yeah send me a shirt he was actually coming to Houston for something so I mailed him and his his girlfriend t-shirts and he went home to Ukraine and took a picture wearing our tank top there in a field in Ukraine and post it up. But those are on the, they should be on the website. Yep, I'm looking at it right now. Yep. I see a sweatshirt, hats. Yep. The tank top. Yep. So we'll have that and then we'll have, we'll have some new stuff too for the match that we're cranking out. But yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. It's fun. Good. Yeah. This has been Liv, uh, American Freedom Fund. I got, I wanted, I want, I almost did it. (laughs) AmericanFreedomFund.org. Um, it's been a pleasure having you. Yeah. Anything else you want to throw out there? Nope. I just really appreciate you letting me come and talk. Yeah. Yeah, When, uh, if you do want to sponsor, you know, somebody that wants to sponsor, um, contact the, the link will be on the page. So please go to that or else the Facebook or the webpage itself. And, uh, hopefully we can, we can help and get some sponsors for this thing. Yeah. It's exciting. You can find me on my link tree. And I'll have a new TikTok account at some point. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, get the Extra Lambo Facebook page, extralambo at gmail.com, or just shoot me a message to the show. I am Lambo. Thanks for coming on, Liv. 